Hi, this is Patrick Rivera, the Director of the Office for Young Adult Ministries here in the Diocese of San Diego. This podcast is brought to you from one of our Theology on Tap recordings. Our Theology on Taps are just one part of the many various events and gatherings we sponsor here in the diocese throughout the year. If you're new to San Diego or would like to hear more about our gatherings and the ways in which we actively engage in ministry, please stay tuned till the end of the podcast for more information from our Associate Director, Pamela Poe. In the meantime, I want to wish you a wonderful day and may God bless you always. beer back p.s we're out of hey it's mine we ran out of beer and to be clear i said the ideas were heretical not you guys except for brandon vaught no i'm just kidding we're buds now the best part was brandon vaught has a friend who loves our show and apparently also loves him and then said you need to listen to this show so he wrote the sweetest angry email (laughs) i've ever gotten it's like listen guys my friends all love your show and they say this this and this however you did call me a pelagian heretic and (laughs) And i I have never said your ideas were very different i'm exhausting so buckle up it's just more of that uh hi everyone who has ever who has ever listened who knows listened there's like okay. eight of you, All nine right. of hey, you. Who has like really been around since like 2000 and say 15 or 16? Like Old early school? days of the show. All right, Aunt D is right back there. There she so is. So if Aunt you D. know who Aunt who Aunt D is, Perennial you favorite. know how big of a deal this is that she's that she, that she's here. So I invited her to my wedding. She didn't come, but she comes to this. <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> she didn't even go to my wedding. She's like, "Screw you, nerd!" And I'm like, "Oh, Aunt <laughs> she, She's like, "There'll be beer in San Diego." Hell's yeah! So that's how we do. Aunt D came to party. Um, <laughs> That was awesome. So, okay, uh, so the actual <laughs> title of our talk is You're Tacky and I Hate You, Finding the Good in a Post-Christian Culture. Um, Which I just found out now. <laughs> I'm tacky. And tacky in and pure catching Fox's form, we decided to talk about it over dinner. Um, Which was like an hour and a half ago. So the point <laughs> is just like, tastes like um, big guys try to unpack them in ways we think are hilarious, which really involve inside jokes from like 2001 to... 2005. Yeah, we've been going to the same party for 15 years, and in no way is that depressing. Also, we need there will be more of those. We need to get this out of the way right now. There will be plenty of Anchorman jokes. Yeah, sorry, I'm from Ohio. Like, I'm just thrilled to be in a place that's not overcast and sad. (laughs) So, um, I all I know is like Anchorman jokes, and that we get it. Philip Rivers has a ton of kids, and like he's Catholic. We get it. We get it. It's fine. Um, your owner cares about your team. Ours doesn't. Um, he doesn't understand sports. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I, ho- I have no idea. Jose, you're, you're really I'm need to kind of tell us when we're screwing up, okay? <laughs> I don't care what. Boo! Um, I'm just kidding. So, um, Luke, Luke, <laughs> I, think I will burn every bridge I can. <laughs> I'm free now. My, uh, my only experience in San Diego, besides vacationing once here when I was in uh, sixth grade, my dad lived in Long Beach, um, 
was uh, about three years ago when I did the Steubenville Youth Conference. I'm one of the speakers for the conferences, even though right now my voice is pretty hoarse. Um, damn you allergies. Uh, but I did a youth conference and it was so funny because the people they paired me up with, right? So I don't get to choose what conferences I go in. They have like a pool of like 40 speakers and priests and musicians and they just match you up. And so the speakers and the priest musicians were all fat people who had lost an incredible amount of weight that year except one guy and we're Father Dave Pavanka. <laughs> no. <laughs> so this priest gets up. The priest starts it off. He's like, it's so great being here in the Jenny Craig Auditorium. I have, I don't know what accent this is. <laughs> I think it's Kazakh. Uh, he's like, I have lost. Uh, but this priest was like 400 pounds and he lost a person. Right, so he was at 200 pounds. You should really feel bad about yourself. Coincidentally, <laughs> coincidentally, <laughs> for, I. coincidentally, that was my goal weight. So he's up on stage at the Jenny Craig Auditorium, and he's like, "Oh, being here at the Jenny Craig Auditorium, I've lost 200 pounds." And the whole crowd starts applauding. And then right after him was the other male speaker, and he's like, "I lost 180 pounds." And then I get up there and I was like. I don't know. My birthday was two months ago. <laughs> I gained eight pounds and can't seem to lose them. So, hey, everyone. Welcome to the Jenny Guys, Craig Auditorium. I'm really good at playing Minecraft and podcasting yeah. at the same time. Who knew and my, my co-host doesn't get mad about it at all. Yeah. He doesn't feel like he's on his own yeah. when he's being vulnerable yeah. and you're playing Minecraft. It's great. Okay, yeah, so, Luke, that's really sensitive. <laughs> we're going to try to... We're gonna, Look, I uh, built a square box. That's all I know how to do in Minecraft. <laughs> Whatever, nerd boy. All right, uh, we're going to try to talk a little bit about like so like how do we how, like where's the good in a world where we don't even know what like good is so i want to define really quick what we mean by the words post christian and like this is not an agreed upon term this is just like my thought but i have the mic so <laughs> jokes on you sucker um I think it's kind of this. I think a very, a very interesting, a very interesting thing happened around 2015 when we basically had gay marriage legalized. By uh, it's a weird, was a weird party go. This is how the podcast is, and you just guys don't hear those parts. They get yeah. kind of like edited out. Edit. It's us saying horrible things. Um, by the way, Jenny, Jenny Craig, nice like '90s reference. Good job. Thank you. Um, so uh, it's just more of this again. Stupid joke that you guys won't get. I'm really sorry. Um, uh, <laughs> there was no laughter there. Okay, so um, a very interesting happened in in 2015. So I am like I am in the Cincinnati area. I used to work down down uh, downtown, and it's a very German Catholic town, very German, so much that all of the fast food uh, joints there only serve like fish stuff during Lent. On it's like a thing. You don't serve meat at the McDonald's during Lent on a, like on a Friday because you won't sell anything. And I started to see and a lot of- And if you do, a bunch of old German men come up to you and go, nine, And nine. we all know where that goes. So- uh, <laughs> Dark uh, places. Not good. Not good. If history has uh, taught us anything, it's because they're very efficient. There you go. It's there just, you and go. it gets annoying how much they're yeah. going to be on. No, huh? I'm not talking about the other stuff. Okay. All right. So, sorry, everyone. This Again, just more of this. 
and I just started to see when Luke gets nervous in front of a live. Yeah, this audience, is what happened. He becomes incredibly self-referential, <laughs> and he expands with a commentary in the middle of every sentence. He'll be like, "Now I'm going to tell people what I'm doing right now. It's my Gomer favorite part." Gomer doesn't shut up. He just goes on and on and on and on. So it's great. We we love each other. We promise everything's fine. Kids, it's okay. The the two dads are fine. So I started to see around I'm 2015 this kind of like change downtown that especially with the whole uh, gay marriage stuff and the Supreme Court, you had a lot of people there was like like on the light post downtown you would like you would um, have like rainbow like uh, stuff and all these things that were uh, seemed to be saying like this is a good thing that is like really going on here. And I started to see this like little, change from a downtown area that was still predominantly Christian in its makeup be just because like of the buildings and like like history of the yeah, town. Yeah, for those who don't know, Cincinnati is considered a very 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 conservative town. Like it's like ultra conservative and that's what it's, it's that's its national reputation. So for Luke in the span of just a few months to see this dramatic shift, it just, it just. It was, so yeah, it was like, it was really odd. And I just started to see things where a lot of a Christian, I, deals, it wasn't, it's like, there was this weird change where it wasn't that like, this was like a different idea, but it was now bad to hold on to that idea. Or those, or it, it was seen as there were, there were uh, the culture was increasingly hostile Towards um, towards um, basic Christian ideas. Yeah. How many of y'all are in your mid thirties or older? Anyone? Okay. A decent amount. So when when I was stay, in high stay school, strong. Yeah. Surrounded by so many twenty somethings. Um, you're all so cool, and you <laughs> like your uh, and your scarves, and your VH1, and your <laughs> <laughs> and your and your vaping, and your vaping. Can I have a e-cigarette? Uh, and now it's not like the like they're not into the whole like band like banjo stuff. It's very long t-shirts and a lot of leather. Very a lot of leather work. A lot, no a lot one, of leather okay, work. No one laughed at that. Okay. Not in California. See, self-referential. But the idea is uh, the <laughs> um, the, the interesting thing that happens as we start to look at uh, being in your thirties. When I was in high school. And you tried to live the Christian ideal. I had a conversion in high school because of the Sumil Youth Conference. Um, you tried to live the Christian ideal. People were like, that's weird. You're weird, but I admire you. And then somewhere as this post-Christian shift begins to take hold, it's no longer that notion of like, you know, saving sex for marriage. And I got my true love weights card and my purity ring and all those other things that somehow didn't work when you're watching a movie with your girlfriend in the basement and there's no parents around. But um, the idea was there and it was a good idea. <laughs> but now it's the exact opposite, right? Yeah, it, the, the, the idea is... The very yeah, idea yeah. of Christian morality, especially in that regards, is viewed as something with hostility. Not like that's weird but admirable or admirable, depending on what part of the country you're from. It's like that's wrong and you need to stop it. And this is the, the important shift in a lot of post-Christian culture that I find so fascinating. Um, I watch a lot of YouTube, except this week during Lent. But uh, one of the things I realized, I was watching this atheist guy who became a Christian, and he was telling the story that when he, he's a historian, and he was doing this whole thing on Rome. 
And he said, as I'm reading the greats from before the Christian era, Cicero and all these people, right? He's going through all of these famous things. He says, you know, he reading the Gallic Wars by Julius Caesar and whatnot. He realized that he shared so little in common with these people. And this guy was a hardcore atheist. Then he reads St. Paul because he wants to explain and understand this whole thing with St. Paul. And he says, oh my goodness, here I am reading the St. Paul's letter to the Romans and I agree. He's like, I don't believe in the whole God stuff, but the morality part, especially, you know, in chapters 12 and following, he said, uh, but you already knew that because you're Catholic and you read the Bible all the time. But the, uh, the Romans, <laughs> Romans 12 and following, it has, he's like, I agree with almost everything this man says. And he said, so what happened to make me this atheist, a new atheist, all this stuff, and looking back and seeing that I agree more with Paul than with, um, than with the great pre-Christian Roman pagans, and the reality was in a lot of ways, we, Christianity changed the world. It's not just the calendar, right? And the postmodern Christian, uh, I, I liken it, um, there's a wonderful podcast called that, uh, This Cultural Moment, and they said, it's like cry, uh, the kingdom without the king. Right, it's so much of it is the Christian inheritance, but without Christ at the center, unifying it all. And so you have this, like even in the most uh, fervent progressivism, right? It's this notion, this trajectory of tolerance that was started within the Christian yeah. milieu that didn't exist. And like, th that's actually a really key part of I think of like what of like what really makes our culture post Christian. It's not. So like it like is the fact that you that you now have this open hostility. Hold on, hold on. Nice. Um, we call that compensating. Go on. <laughs> uh, we're okay. So so it's not just the fact that you have this hostility towards things, but it's that you have these Christian. Is you still have these Christian? ideals that are like still held so things like equality that guy's on a roll uh, so <laughs> hey ladies like, if you look at if you look at equality the dignity of the human person uh just pay those are very christian ideas those are and 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 the fact that that within our um, culture those are seen as very important things that like we need to you know talk about emphasize those come from a christian background from a yeah. uh from a um, from a christian tradition and i don't think they've been like hijacked it's just that people have grown up with like um, with like you know like uh like these current ideas but but we're now in a in like but like how do like how do you um, live those out now oh like start but they're being carried out in a, like, a weird way that is um, hostile towards yeah, it's not the very places of where they came from. Yeah, it's, it's not so a non-Christian thing. Exactly. It's post-Christian. You can't have this environment without it being post-Christian. Now, the great fear that I have, right, is... Uh, does anyone know what the fastest-growing religion... I ask this... We still have to get to the good. I will, don't worry. <laughs> um, do you know what the fastest-growing religion in the time of St. Paul was throughout the Roman Empire? It wasn't Christianity. No, they all had real majors. Oh, <laughs> so not theology. Okay. <laughs> well played, Luke. Well played. Uh, he knows how to hurt me. Um, it was uh, basically the, the worship of the Roman emperor. So you had cities that existed that changed their name to a hyphenated name, Caesarea Philippi, and other places like that, Caesarea Alexandria, and all these different things, because they wanted to show their allegiance to the emperor. And um, it's fascinating because as paganism made its grand march throughout the Roman Empire and dominated the Roman Empire, they tolerated so many different religions 
as long as some way they could graft it into the Roman pantheon. Judaism was the only exception, but uh, Jewish, uh, Jewish followers in the dispersion, that is throughout the Roman Empire outside of Palestine, they didn't try to convert people because it was essentially an ethnic-based religion. They weren't actively evangelizing their neighbor. What upset the Romans about Christians was that you would now just have, you would have a group of Jews who then became Christian, but then on top of that, you had Roman aristocracy and Roman slaves. So you had the breakdown of Roman social order occurring within this environment, and wherever Christ is preached, the pagan gods fall. So um, as I was, uh, I do this prison ministry, I always wear my prison ministry shirt when I give these talks to the point where Luke's sister, Emily, about right before we went on to a show, she's like, does Gomer have any other shirts he could possibly wear? The answer is no. The answer is no. I have three of these and I just alternate them every other day. Um, Called your 30s. It's wonderful. <laughs> you stop caring about women because you got a wife. Um <clears throat> Okay, so no, but the uh, no. What I was gonna say is no, when when say. Christ isn't preached, right? You see the rise of paganism, but it can't be a paganism like it was in pre-Christian Rome. We will never go back to that. We will never it, it, that that'll never happen. I mean, the whole idea of human rights being something that um, you know the Chinese atheistic communistic government is trying to deal with and struggle with is them dealing with the inheritance of a Christian worldview. And so there's no going back to the pre-Christian world. But the interesting thing is where Christ is not preached, where his name is not elevated, you have this creeping paganism. And you have the things like uh, the rise of Wiccanism, which I deal with extensively in the prisons. Uh, they call themselves neo-pagan. They don't call themselves Wiccan. Um, but then you also have the rise of dumb religions like Jedi in the UK, uh, that's literally the fastest growing religion in the United Kingdom. God bless them. So post-Christian world is a unique world. So how do you, um, so then like where, how do you, so yeah. let's really quick, you have 25, you have you always 25 do, seconds. Can we give me a minute? No, you have 25 seconds. Define the good. Well, the good what is, is good. What, like define, so we just, just yeah, li terms literally Aristotle says you cannot define the good, but it's that which attracts. There are many things that attract. <laughs> Thank you, Luke, for the seduction. So close to me. Um, that's not biblical. But uh, I've loved you longer than your wife. <laughs> it's true. But she didn't come around until 2004. Yeah, but she loves me better. It's true. Okay. Um, restart the clock. And uh, But the idea of goodness. So we want to talk about the transcendentals of goodness. Um, one of the most beautiful expressions I ever heard was this man talking about... Um, Communists in the UK in the in the 1920s, and he used to belong to this movement. He became Catholic. It's a fascinating story. But as he was recounting it, he said, "You have all these people with the label Christian, but when the elderly woman is being grabbed by her shirt collar and thrown out on the streets by the landlord in a slum resident in the middle of London, the only people that rallied to her cause were the communists. And after a while, the people around start saying." I don't believe in Marxism. I don't believe in communism, but I believe in what they're doing for this woman. See, the Christian impulse was we need to help these people. But what ends up happening so often is that you and I are afraid. We are afraid of sacrificing our own convenience, time, money, whatever, in order to invest in the people around us. We're afraid to do that because what if they're weird? What if they take too much of my time? What if they don't let me give only to the measure that I want to give? 
And what Christ is asking of us in a very real way is to inconvenience ourselves for the sake of the gospel. So what is good? I mean, the, the story is so true. Good teacher, what must I do to enter into eternal life? Jesus says, why do you call me good? Only God is good. And at the heart of that message is this realization that it's not just the actions that we do, it ultimately rests in the God that we worship. Many of us are attracted to God. We have this divine capacity within us, but because of sin and because of our fears and uncertainties, it's so easy for us to shift that God longing for something less than God. And, you know, it might be, I was just at a college campus and I was giving a talk and I said, it might be the red solo cup life, right? Uh, which I thought was so clever, not a single one of them smirked. I got zero <laughs> Gen smirks. Gen Z is so exhausted. Oh, Gen right? Z is exhausted. Uh, uh, come on, kids, just party a little bit. Uh, <laughs> the problem was the girl in the front row was, I was her middle school youth minister. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, we're going to get beer later. <laughs> so anyhow, um, so it's just things that I, I deal with. But finding the goodness, right? Finding the goodness. The beautiful thing is because this is a post-Christian world, Christ is written deep down in the heart of all of these aspirations. Whether you're in Portland, Oregon, or rural Texas, or God's own country of San Diego, right? The, there is the goodness written deep in there that every human aspires to. And that when we begin building up to that future, building up toward that goal, right? We have no idea how, how much power we have in that witness. Because no one on the face of the earth right now, or excuse me, let me rephrase that. No one in America right now is keen on sacrificing their own time, money, attention to help someone else. So when people see that happening, when they see the domination of self-sacrificial generosity, it is an argument of which there is no rebuttal. And what would cause, it was one guy, he was a former member of the Crips, he was their uh, warlord. He looked at me and said, what would cause you free people out in the free world to come into our prison? All we want to do is get out of here. And I said, it's only one thing. We discovered what Jesus Christ did for us. So we just want to follow. <clears throat> 20 seconds. 25, about to go 25 seconds, huh? Yep. That was good. Okay, so... With that very long definition in mind, good luck, everyone. Um, where do we, like, so how do we find that in a post-Christian culture? Um, I don't have answers for. for it's behind you. you. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> Who knew that tree? Um, worship the tree. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's the white tree of Condor. This That's is right, gonna, nerds. So That's right, nerds. <laughs> oh, please. It's silver. I prefer an iron an iron throne over a castle of Gondor. Anyways, uh, <laughs> dude, just dude, kidding. Dude, I get dude, it. You're dude, all dude, really dude, Catholic. Dude. I get it. We're all excited, though, for Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah. <You're> all, <laughs> what was it, the joke? It. It's like Baptists don't acknowledge the Pope. They don't acknowledge Mary, and they don't acknowledge each other in the liquor store. Right, I think there's that's a Texas joke. Yeah, but I think for Catholics, it's like Catholics don't acknowledge sola scriptura. We don't acknowledge sola fide, and we don't acknowledge that we all secretly love Game of it's Thrones. It's like a quiet <laughs> club where you go, "Do you watch? Yeah, good. Okay, let's talk." You know, yeah. like I'm do, not gonna do, judge do, you. Do, do, You're do. not gonna judge me. We all skip the bad parts. Okay. <laughs> um, I mean, sometimes it's all bad parts, but <laughs> we find those two, Look, three minutes. <laughs> oh man, I'm so excited. Okay. Um, 
I, so I, I, I don't. John Snow. I, I don't. I don't have answers for it. And like we don't. And like we don't have. And we don't have answers. But I do think that, that this is a topic worth unpacking because we were at a on a dinner. I think this was at, at the Seek Conference with uh, the two girls from Eden Invitation. If you don't know who Eden Invitation is, stop paying attention to us and go onto Instagram and find them. They are the greatest apostolate in the country right now, in yeah, my opinion. Absolutely. I. They are the most important one, I think, hands down, bar none. Eden, uh, Eden, in, Eden invitation, and I'm John a blank on the on the nice person's name who we're good <laughs> friends with, not not like a Shannon, uh, the other one, Shannon but and Anna, and their whole day. Oh my day, gosh, I'm a horrible friend. They do ministry to young adults in the LGBT plus community, right? So their whole thing, their whole outreach. But when you go on their website and you just read their conversion story or watch the video of their conversion story. It is so powerful and so beautiful. And I was at Franciscan a little bit with Anna Carter, but yeah, it, it's amazing. I stuff, think they're because so. they, yeah, their like whole approach is just it's through the like uh, through the whole like anthropology of man and jump two and blah 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 blah. So, anyways, um, Anna <laughs> you brought up would summarize the theology of the body. Yeah, 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 yeah. Blah 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 blah. No, I love John Christopher Paul. West Every, would be so pissed he, off at you right yeah, now. Yeah, he'd also be a little it, bit too excited about it. There's a <laughs> lot of weird um references where we just go, "Holy shit, you went there." Okay, <laughs> pollen on your my face. <laughs> yeah. There's pollen. That tree's <laughs> having sex with my face. Uh, yeah, that's that is. Direct literal quote. quote that he kind of had on our show where we were like, I don't know where we go from here. So where we went from there was when I made the album art, I had a picture of Christopher West and all of his pollen. Focus, focus. All right. Oh, so, and, right. yeah, this is what our show is like, everyone. Um, Spiritual. So, yeah. The but Lord has religious. blessed it for some odd reason. Um, okay, so Anna brought up the fact that there's such an emphasis on like like on like beauty, and that's good, and that has been a big thing. That has been like a huge movement with you know within the church, especially within the millennial age group, like uh, over the past ten years. So all the like rad trads here, there's like your shout out. Um, <laughs> but she brought up like we need to pay attention more to the good. Right now, because when you look at like what is talked about in the very beginning of scripture, and I wish I had, I wish this, I could like, I wish I could use this line as my own because it was so good. And she says like, you know, it's like, what is God like? What do they um, talk about? The like the good God created the world and it was good. And I think one of the things we have to do to try to really like just hold on for for dear life in a post christian culture is to yes we have to lead with is we have to like lead with beauty but we have to cling to the good and i want to talk for you guys so we're we're, we're going to talk for about another like 10 to 15 minutes about that and then i want to and then you guys are going to have an opportunity to ask questions and we'll just start to like kind of like open it up i don't know if we're gonna have have like pieces of pieces of uh paper or like uh um open mics can i get a beer too <laughs> i get so nervous this water doesn't look like beer thank yeah. you yeah i don't want any beer um i'm a gentleman so how do you like how do you cling to the good then um oh there's no, no there's beer. no more beer well, that's it. Good night, everyone. <laughs> no. Um, as all as all my friends from like school can uh, can attest, I'm only fun if there's beer involved. If not, it's just sad and needy. Um, Kids from school, your wife, go on. Yeah, seriously, currently I'm emotionally exhausting. <laughs> um, 
You I, know what's beautiful? <laughs> you know what's great? It's this comment from the 90s. Listen to me talk about them for an hour. That's a literal thing that I've done with the people who are like, oh my, with all of his ex-girlfriends. Go on. Yeah, it's true. Uh, they all, <laughs> I tell them all my five earn. Okay, anyways. <laughs> let's, let's, I'll stop this right now. Distraction, um, distraction. Yeah, seriously. Where do you find good? Because it can be really hard, right? There's this really great, like Balthasar quote where he where he where he says, "Test everything, hold on to the good." I think it, it's Balthasar. Um, Saint Paul, whatever. Saint you know, Paul. trying to t yeah, or same. Sorry, he's. I'm talking about Saint Saint Paul. Same thing. Um, uh, test test everything, hold on to hold on to to the good. But one of the really hard parts of that that I that like I have found is when you're in a post Christian culture, that's exhausting. That is truly exhausting. Yeah. Um, I love the website Dead Deadspin. I love sports. I love their take on sports. It's great. But I found that I just can't go to um, Deadspin anymore because it just there's not a lot of good there, and that sucks sometimes. Because and, and this is just a dumb example. It's just a stupid. It's just a stupid. Well, you take that and you pull it. You pull it out to like how most of us consume. Like oh, so many of our news. Right. What was that great quote from C.S. Lewis? Whenever the devil proposes a temptation, he always brings it in pairs. So the rejection of the one, like you always have these two extremes, right? And so it's like, I'm not that. You never, we never really attain the truth in our left-right paradigm because the kind of the crazies are the ones that are dictating policy and it's pulling us so far away from each other in ways that are so crazy that like our news media, the way the news media companies are formed and what they talk about and how they go about it I, like, it was fascinating because, like, when CNN was formed, it was meant to give you, like, the news in a 24-hour news format. But we they realized that you can't keep people attached to the news for 24 hours unless you add sensation to it. So they would take small, stupid stories because that's the only thing on a slow news day, and they would read into it. And they'd be like, well, what are the Democrats going to do now? They're blah, blah, blah. And, but then you end up finding that. All these CNN anchors and writers and all of them are pretty hardcore on the left and, and Democrats because you find that people going into journalism typically happen to be on the left. So there's this huge left bias in the headline news and CNN. So then you had Fox News. And the interesting thing about Fox News was it was conceived as an activist news organization. We're going to bring you conservative news. And from that perspective, you then have the opposite reaction of MSNBC where they're not claiming objectivity. They're claiming to get you the real news by presenting it from our perspective. And even as we're receiving information, it's already passed through a dozen polarized filters before it ever comes to us. And it's only increasing this divide. And in a post-Christian culture, so much of what is Christian is what endures, right? The gospel doesn't change. So for some people, they just grasp it and throw it into this political category or that political category, and it's undoing a lot of our faith. I mean, during the Reagan administration, the Catholic Church really stepped up its game on immigration, and, um, and my mom in the 90s helped run a political refugee branch in the Catholic Charities in Houston. I used to drive around and pick up people's discarded old furniture and turn them into donated furniture for these refugees, these political um, asylum people. But now that issue has become so polarized that if you even say one thing about our duty to our neighbor, you're either on this side or that side of a political aisle. 
and it becomes very dangerous because I know some of you in this room are like, some of you are like, yeah, right? Like we can't define a 2,000-year-old church with 200-year-old labels of left and right. But not only are we doing it, we're doing it to such a degree that we feel like anything that comes from the other side is stupid, wrong, and insane. And my fear is in a post-Christian culture, the values of Christianity are being divvied up. There was a BuzzFeed article where this woman said, it's time to have two Catholicisms. I guess she's never heard of schism, but she... uh, (laughs) <laughs> but uh, there's been plenty of that. Oh, you, you're been, so proud of that joke. I am. You are so I'm like, oh, oh, I better remember that. Like, oh, I can tweet it later in my bedroom <laughs> when I'm in the hotel bed that I've rented uh, <laughs> and wearing a robe in the same room with Lou. Um, but no, this, this idea that so much of Christianity is being split up. And she, in her article, she said, you know, we'll take the Stephen Colbert's and the social justice and all this. You can have your you know, and she listed off a handful of Catholic, like well-known right-wing Republican kind of pundits. You know, you keep your sexual morality, we'll keep our love of the poor and the, you know, and we'll just go our separate ways. And it's so deadly because it's as if we could separate the timeless morality of loving my neighbor as myself from the church's sexual ethic because my wife is my neighbor in that sense, right? Like so often what we do is we, we fracture these things. As Chesterton said, we don't know what we're doing because we don't know what we're undoing. We don't understand with the patience to really look at the good things that we've inherited from a gospel that was given to us by the eternal son of God that we, when we fraction these things um, and divide them off so easily, we're wounding the church. Like there really is a thing called social justice. There really is a thing. It's not just justice. It's social justice because there really are things called societies. The first society is the family. So I, I, I think just kind of like at like, to interrupt Part me. Of trying to, yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, like, I could go on like this for hours. <laughs> uh, you're welcome, everyone. Uh, like, part of having to cling to the good involves having to understand the fullness of the Catholic Church and what she, you know, and her and um, her teachings. And not just in, like, Revelation, but, you know, like, you see so many people on the right, which, like, we lean right just to be, like, totally transparent, I'd say. But, um, you know, you see such, like, like one of their big heroes is uh, you, like, have, like, Benedict. And then if you read his stuff on economics, there's a lot of great stuff about just wage and all these things that, like, I feel like people kind of just ignore you know, and it's and I think and there is this lack of understanding that I think is really important to try to uh, cling to the good and try to like find where and like find and like find where the good is. So like one thing that like like we did that was like I thought kind of awesome just for us. It was just a really great thing to do. Was so we're um, we're huge like movie nerds. Well, I, I'm a huge I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm a huge like I'm a huge he's like a film nerd. buff. Yeah, I'm a movie. Like nerd. I kissed a brown that I kissed a brown. Thanks for coming, ladies I and gentlemen. I kissed the ground that the Coen Brothers walk on, and um, and so we decided to do a thing called the Road to Infinity War. And instead of talking about how great they were or like the or the plot, we decided to go, what are the what's the story being told? What are the themes here? And it was kind of amazing. It really opened up those <laughs> toot, movies toot. in it's a way. Tooting our own horn. No, 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 like not no. It was we were we didn't do a good job of it. But um But I got to watch all the Marvel movies. Because like so much of our our 
culture, we talk about how it's made or the cool like action stuff or things that are very on the surface. Yeah, the and we don't go very deep. And so we went deep. We, we and we really asked. We really asked. We asked the question like what's the story being told here what is really i'm going on and it provided this type of under these are stupid on the marvel movies that aren't like you know this is not anyone have their end game tickets yeah me too all right so nervous um so and 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 i I just think like um that's gotten kind of lost and i think you see that with how people how we are also like so Polarized, like we were saying, with like all these things, there's this lack of under. You know, I've, I mean, I've like had a person tell me that the place where like I went to college has been a dark cloud over over their entire career, and I was like, nice to meet you too. Um, <laughs> you know, the one of the and this kind of like, I, like, and I was like, how do I show this person the good stuff that's there? Sure, there's a lot of weird homeschoolers kids at Swimville. I get it. I lived it. Okay. In my room, on the futon, in in my room. Yeah, um, it was awesome. But a real so like cool. Okay, so you so you have like trying to understand the like so you um have who needs friends when you have mom? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> when did you meet Will Smith? When did Over you meet the weekend. <laughs> um, that is a deep cut. Um, <clears throat> so you know, trying to really understand, really understand what like things are. Uh, trying to understand what are the teachings of 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 the church, so it's not just like so like polarized. What else? And then I think we're gonna open up two questions in about five yeah. in about five minutes, and I have to pee so, so badly. Bad. Look at these empty water bottles and three <laughs> beers. Yeah, you know we like to party. Look at all the empty water bottles. Yeah. It's called being responsible, kids. It's great. You go to bed early. You wake up early. You owe the IRS $2,500. It's wonderful. It's not at all. It's not at all. So, yeah. One last thing. Yeah. Oh, good. Well, on you, yeah. Oh, 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 you're telling me to stop talking. I got it. Uh, so if you want, if anyone can ask questions, I know it's awkward to be the first person to ask questions, but Jose wants to ask a question. Jose. Actually, Jose, could you come stand Oh, over Jose, there's, there's, there, there's a mic. And Jose, no I really hear. have to pee, but I'll stay because I love you. you can go. It's a- no, it's Jose, it's you. I can't go. I can go. I'm going right now. That's right, why so we have this just, tablecloth. Just real quick, if you guys, uh, if you want to ask questions, we can just kind of start a line right here. If you'd like to, Jose's going first because he knows them. And <laughs> don't everybody stand up at once now. I have no you idea. Calm right. down. There's raccoons here right here. Here. So that first uh, reference to the Jedi. The Jedi. Just, uh, I, I got a, a, one question to follow up if that's okay. Okay. Can I double, so two questions. Come double on. up. Just okay. Oh yeah. So Jedi. Was that in reference to George Lucas? That that religion in the UK. Yes. It was. Yeah. The Star Wars Jedi. Oh. They good. literally are trying to harness. I mean, it's like tongue in cheek, but the Force. Okay. Yes. Quite strange. Okay. Yeah. So. Quite strange. Yeah. Quite the, strange, the, good sir. This the second thing. Where do you see, so just kind of your perspective, where do you see, do you see kind of like the church in America, like authentic Catholicism, do you see it as like kind of like a remnant kind of thing because of this Mm post-Christian, you know, uh, you know, leaning towards modern society? What do you think about like, you know, where Christianity is going in our country? I'm just curious. Can I, can I answer this first and then I'm going to go to the restroom and then you can go? Uh, Okay, so I think really quick, I I do think a lot of, um, I think the good is what's going to last. 
not necessarily the beautiful. I'm willing to be like wrong about this. I just see too many churches starting to be souls turned into bars, turned into like restaurants, turned into like whatever, turned in to in to concert halls. I, I think it's the good that's going to stay. And so I think you're going to see um, a lot of our, um, the things that everyone sees, the cathedrals, the whatever. I think that's probably, and I, I, I'm sad to see this happen. They'll turn into like museums pretty much. And I think what you're going to see that's going to stay is going to be things like this, where people come together because this is really good. It's really good to see you all here. It's really good to see that like there are people on the other on the like other side of the country who give a crap, who are trying to like you know like really try to like find the face of, like of God in their lives and to encounter Him and to be open to the to the saving power of Jesus Christ. That's really good. I think that's what's going to be around. What that actually what like uh, like that like looks like, I don't know, but I think. Um, that's what I so again. I think there's gonna be more of the good stuff that's gonna stay as opposed to the beautiful because the beautiful. This is, I'm, I'm just gonna, I don't know if I agree with this, so huge like preface, but I think a lot of the beautiful, but it's still things, gonna say it. I don't think, I, I wonder if they're like not lasting and it's a good that does last. I don't know, I could be totally wrong about that. It's just kind of a idea to unpack and now I have to you go, go to the restroom. So deal, deal with my fallout. <laughs> well, I think in a very real way. So I was invited to this mastermind community for evangelists. And it was a weird thing. They brought all different people from all over the country together to this uh, retreat place. Um, and we had to talk about what is the past, present, future of the church look like? And I was given the task of giving a five-minute talk on the future of the church. And since I'm a prophet, I spoke accurately. <laughs> but uh, now what I said was, we are finding demographically the greatest shift into cities since the rise of the Industrial Revolution, right? I don't know if you know that. That's what's happening right now. All big cities are getting bigger. Uh, they're not getting smaller. People aren't running to rural environments. They're not running to the burbs anymore. Um, and so what you find, especially in American cities, it is a desire to get away from where my parents raised me to go specifically to the urban life where everything is walkable, or bikeable with your long-haired top knot uh, to do all that stuff, right? But man bun, <coughs> not top knot. Um, they're not samurai, not yet anyway. Uh, but what ends up happening is the church abandoned its real estate in the cities and what, Pope, or, uh, what uh, Archbishop Fulton Sheen called the suburban captivity of the churches, right? All the biggest churches with all the biggest money went out to the burbs, and the, the inner city and the, and the surrounding city area, um, people are going back to. And now we don't have churches there anymore. We have very few. So how are we going to minister to the needs of people where there are no more church buildings? And I said this, and then I gave the little spiel, and then I sat down, and it was quiet for about a solid minute. And then they go, I don't know how to answer that question. But, and then they totally changed the topic. So I felt like a total failure and I went up to the guy running the event and I was like, I'm sorry, this is just the data that I'm seeing. He's like, no, you just came up against the wall. We don't know how the church as we conceived it for the last like 200 years, how it can exist without our big fancy buildings 
because you can't buy real estate in the burbs or in the urban environments anymore. It has to get smaller. The remnant might not be, you know, we're going to, you know, there's a saved few, but it might be that the churches become more mobile, a little bit different. You know, I don't know what the future is going to look like when you have 25 million people living in New York City and another 10 million living in L.A. You know, what is that going to look like for the L.A. diocese and all that stuff? Bishop Barron's going to have to start another apostolate. But, <clears throat> but the whole idea surrounding this is it's stuff like this. It's Catholics animated by their own personal ownership of the faith who are meeting and bringing people together in homes uh, and in the backyards of rectories to celebrate and to actually bring together not just the sacramental life, but the communal life outside of it. One might even call it a Acts 242 lifestyle. Thank you for your question. So I'm an older millennial, 34. Yeah, the yeah. Oregon Trail generation. Woo! What, what? Absolutely. Oh, man, I love it. I miss it. I was always a banker from Boston. Well, and I always killed too many buffalo. I couldn't carry the meat back, but I how, still how, killed them all. How many times did you uh, get left on the side of the road by for dysentery? Oh, dysentery killed my entire family, but I always survived. I can Sorry, never make wife. it past the river. <laughs> you got to ford. You it's only four feet. Why does my thing keep tipping over when I try to ford the river? Yeah, you, you got to ford. Missouri! There, half of this crowd has no idea what we're doing. I know. Yeah, yeah. And they're the crowd that we can yeah, discuss. Yeah, so it, what's that like, everyone else? Ha, now it's, on the, now it's flipped because I so, always want it. Sorry. So anyway, anyway, back to my question. Yes. Um, I'm 34. I've got three. I've got two kids and one on the way. Excellent. Nice. Which means I'm only slightly Catholic. Yeah. I'm just kind of halfway. Step up your game, bro. I do. I do. I do. Yeah. Um, well, let's hope for twins. Go on. Yeah. So, so... Two observations. One is my the half of my friends, Facebook or whatever, kind of react to this in, in one way and the other half react in another way. One is I, I haven't found out, we're not finding out what sex our third child is. We didn't find out the first two times, we're not finding out this time. Our culture has this thing where you gotta have this gender reveal and everything mm. is you gotta have this, you know, explosion of pink or the explosion of blue. And people look at us like we're absolutely insane because we're not finding out. We're not doing this big ceremony on finding out who this is. And then towards the, but the thing that's interesting about that is when you get to the end of it, you know, if we say it's a boy and we declare it's a boy, then we're not allowed to do that either. That's one. Oh, that's the other side. Of that's, it. Okay. Yeah. So that's one side and the other you side. You assigning. Sometimes yeah. those people are the same people, which is strange. That is really. So, hey, it's a boy. How dare you? So that's one observation. I'm so conflicted. I, I think there's a question here somewhere. So that's it's one observation. The You're good. The second observation I have is um, I go to daily mass at a, um, a Newman Center. Right? You're so so you've got holy. Really good things. I'm so holy. I'm so Catholic. Yeah. But at a Newman Center, bold. Yes, Because yes. <laughs> you never know what you're going to get. It's like, please be valid. It, it, it's, Wait, did I take the raisin in the Eucharist? In our diocese, it's fine. The guy who was in charge of that did a good job. It was fine. <laughs> Not that anymore. To be, to be fair, it's a precisely half a block from my office. So. Oh, there you go. Fair, yeah. I have no excuse Are you a focused otherwise. missionary? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you dress like, you dress um well, so, you know, you can kind of. You could be a focused missionary. You could be any, like, apostle. Get that focus, focus money. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm an older millennial, so that means I have a job. Oh. oh. Take that, 25-year-olds and your J. Cole and your Cardi B's. 
<laughs> so the second observation is the you know the, the priest that where I go he'll do the thing where we're going to open it up to end your prayers right oh no the intentions yeah which is beautiful which is beautiful and also terrible at the same yeah. time and you know what and then everyone hops on their political agenda and and that's where I'm going with this is you've got you know half of the crowd will say something about you know, immigrants, and the, and half of the crowd will seize up and go, why are we talking about this? The other half will talk about abortion, and the other half will go, wait a second, why are we talking about this? <laughs> so in those two observations, what do you do? Like, as in a, the new evangelization, and, mm -hmm. and where do we break through to our culture, even within the church, to bring that light of Christ, and how do we give truth to all of these people? That's can, my question. Can I take this because I'm yeah, going to go to the bathroom. You. Luke, where's the bathroom? So go over there, then take a left. Go over, go over there. You'll see a cliff. <laughs> yeah, that guy, may, that guy may have like a huge muffler. Try, to, tiny try to pee on the muffler right, guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, how the turntables have turned. So um, one thing that Gomer does very, very well is that um, when he's when when like um, he gives a talk at a place that's kind of that's kind of um, left of center, uh, he'll go into, like, the importance of the environment and stuff, and they're all like, yes! And then I'll be like, and we gotta maintain the liturgy, and they're like, huh? You know, and um, I think, like, this, like, like, this, like, willingness to say, I see, like, I, like, I see what's going on here. You know, like, I can see that everyone's trying to, like, be like, and my team's here, and my acts, you know, kind of thing going, going on. I think there's a good, th I think it can be uh, to try to like stay on topic, which for us is very difficult. Um, it can be good to like, like almost try to almost try to like look past that and to affirm the good of what's really going on there. You know, so like even if they're trying to make it polarizing or if it's a thing that you're like, yeah, this is really important. Like the church does say like just wages or, uh, we we want to see like um, imm like immigration issues are very important to us. I was just I was just I'm reading this one thing and I forget where, so I'm, I, I am not gonna even like try. But it was very uh, uh, it was just very convicting. Like yeah, this this is an important part of like who we are, and like not being afraid to say I. I identify with that, or like I'm going to stand behind that, even though I know that you might be coming at it from a place that I don't agree with everything that like you're about. But like this thing is good, and I'm gonna and I'm going to go to bat with you on that. Does that make sense? Because it's it's really easy to like um, put each other into into camps to say, you know, our I mean, and like this has been going on since the beginning of of our church. Are you with Paul or are you with um, Apollos. Uh, it's very easy to say you're from Steubenville, so you're in, you're, you know, like, in the focus crowd, and, you know, like, you agree with people who go to, like, TAC, or, or, or like, you know, you know, like, all of those schools, and, and, um, and we're all nerds. Let's be very clear. We're all a whole bunch of nerds, but, um, thank you. And to, like, try to, like, write off other groups we don't really to do a lot of stuff. So, like, I'm about to take a job with Glen Mary Home Missionaries, who 
I who had, I, I never really heard of until like a couple of like years ago, and they um definitely are probably a little bit like left with you know like some stuff, but the things they do are so good, like they are so good, and I'm like I can get behind that, even if I you know even if there's there, I, I I don't know if this is true, I should probably be careful because this is the part of the podcast that really stresses out my wife, where I just say stuff about my job and my employers and life. Um, even if there are some like things that perhaps they wouldn't, they don't go about it the way that like I would, or like like I think is you know probably the best. The overall thing of like um, what they're going for is good, and that's really important. And to try to affirm that, and to just, I really think we gotta kind of get away from this polarization that you know you know uh, goes on. So it was awesome. In case you were wondering, <laughs> the bathroom. Uh, uh, can I give one thing to this guy? Yes, go. You have 20 seconds. Be the guy in front. Why does he always give me Jose's going to break your kneecaps if you go over. Be the guy in the petitions who goes first and say, I would like to pray for the immigrants and the and the end of abortion and just go through as many of the lists as possible. <laughs> first, I would like to pray for a more fervent devotion to our Lord in the Eucharist. I would like to pray for a spread of Marian devotion. I would like to honor those who are poor and outcasted. Also, purgatory. Why not pray for more poor souls? <laughs> I would like to. I'd like to pray for more colorful albs. <laughs> I would like to pray for less felt banners. I would like to pray for more ad oriental masses. I would like to pray for. I would like to pray for her in the first row. I would, I would like, like to pray for ad orientum <laughs> masses with folk psalms sung. Yeah. I want to hear. Huh? I want to hear. Gather us in. <laughs> traditional Latin mass to warm us up. I want to warm say us up. all are welcome, but it's chanted in Latin. <laughs> that would be awesome. That's I your job. I want to be lifted up on eagle's wing and Aramaic chants in the four-part harmony. <laughs> the poor guy just walks away. He's like, this isn't what I signed up for. You guys suck. You're, you're, you're right. Guy, you're the right. last guy we had talk was holy. Hey, you're up. <laughs> Hey, what's your favorite continent? I know, you're up. <laughs> and why is Catching Foxes your favorite podcast? Oh, you guys. Oh, it's Nicole. You're, oh, oh yeah. never mind. You have to be nice to us. <laughs> Not true. Um, well, first of all, I just wanted to just thank you guys for your. Being so hilarious back when so, we were in college? Yes, way back then. Heroic. Um, no, but, you know, I started listening to the podcast um, a couple years ago, and I, at the time, I kind of was still. Um, coming from that post-wonderful Catholic college um, kind of bubble of like, you know, you're Catholic, so everything has to be just so in line and everything. And um, just being out here and having certain conversations with people, even family members, and kind of getting those views, not views, I don't even know how I'm trying to say this, but I just appreciate your authenticity and your realness in it um, in dealing with the church scandals, in dealing with how hard it is to work for the church, and, yeah. you know, and on and on and on. So along with that, um, I was just wondering how, amidst all the evil and the turmoil, and especially in the recent scandals, and knowing that y'all work for the church, how do you guys continue to stay strong in the faith because I know you know from different episodes that you guys have posted and everything like it's hard it's so hard when certain 
you know, just things have come up uh, in the media and everything, and and you guys still have to keep going, <laughs> not just on the podcast, but in your jobs, in your families. Um, just how do you kind of tap into that truth? I, obviously, I know that we don't follow the church, we follow Jesus, right? But... I don't know if that makes yeah. sense. No, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> how do you like, how do you hold on in McCarrick's world? You know, yeah. where, it, where it just kind of like, where. McCarrick's world like, sounds like, uh, like a sitcom. McCar- in the late McCarrick's 90s. world, there's a saxophone. Um, <laughs> good question. Because it was the 80s and 80s. Uh, songs were like, anyway, yeah, yeah. to a lot of Bella Flynn. No, but okay. So the, truth be told. So we actually got a lot of our biggest fans and the most feedback from we did about five or six episodes on the summer of scandal which still exists as now the year of scandal to the point where i had to create a ringtone uh which i'll play for you here in a second but the um summer of scandal (laughs) wait for it scandal So we did that, and I'm sure you've heard that many times. We did that because, like, the news is so brutal. It is Mm -hmm. so awful. My bishop is Cardinal Daniel DiNardo, who's the head of the USCCB. I love the guy. And then you're seeing all this stuff happen. And just um, three days ago, we found out another priest was credibly accused uh, at the church just north of me, so our, our closest church to the north. And you hear this stuff, and then you hear, like, I have friends who are in different parts of the country. Now, at my church, me and two other people led uh, this thing called Restore. And Restore is having a series of town halls where we just let the lay people vent and say other things. We tried to tell them no conspiracy theories, but we kept having people come up being like, it's the homosexuals and the communists. And I'm like, oh my God, there's no Soviet Union anymore. But uh, <laughs> let it go. Let it go. But um, it, it was, it was, uh, it is very difficult working for the institutional church, but it always has been. There's never been a time where it was easy if you have the charism mm-hmm. of evangelization and discipleship where you are trying to win converts in a parish or diocesan setting because people who work in a parish and a diocese, for the most part, are so locked down in a maintenance mode that creativity, what we were talking about earlier, creativity, evangelization, that stuff, like literally praying with your colleagues is a radical thing, and it's shameful. The church has been going through such a shameful thing, but I'll tell you what keeps me in, in the game. Number one, I have personal relationships with my parishioners who are coming to an ever-deepening knowledge of Christ, of prayer, of their Catholic faith, of the Eucharist, all that stuff. To watch that actually blossom within the lives. I think a lot of diocesan people especially can be disaffected by all this and leave the church because they don't have that one-on-one on boots on the ground kind of experience. But the other thing is how much I'm watching my colleagues and not just the people I work with, but people at other parishes who are becoming more prayerful, doubling down on the gospel, changing their own moral life in, in, because of all this. Because they're like, if I'm a lukewarm Catholic, <clears throat> and my brother who left the church years ago is like, why the hell do you believe in that ring of pedophiles and all that? So there's cover up. And I mean, they're just hammering us all the time, right? So 
their answer has got to be more than, well, you know, I think it's true, and that's what matters most. It has to be because not only is this true, but because God is real in my own life. And I think a lot of people have gotten away from, we do the ministry of the church without praying. Yeah, I um, yeah. I, I think one thing that I had to do when all that went, so like I, I read the report that I like the day that it came out, I just said, I'm not going, I'm not going into work. I don't care. Screw you guys. Like I need to process. I lost 11 uh, candidates for RCIA the week that came out. Yeah. 11. So we had three. We usually bring in 15 people, unbaptized adults. I lost 11. And, um, (coughs) and when we did the podcast, I was pretty unhinged, I think. You know, and you what? Yeah, I know, right? Uh, and it wasn't about an ex-girlfriend. That's so amazing. <laughs> Shh, it's fine. I got over it all. Um, the um, I think it was good. I, I, I think like why our podcast has struck a chord with a lot of people is that the time for like BS, like here's the front I have to give. Here, are, here are the right answers. Is yeah. done because it doesn't mean anything. Any. Anymore, and like I just there was this like urgency about it that I just had to get. I mean, at like one point in time, I told all the bishops to believe in Jesus Christ for once in their life on that podcast, you know, because I was so angry. And all the bishops that listened, oh wait, (laughs) yeah, none of them because it felt you know. And of course, there are a lot of I've heard great things about like your bishop here, my like you know like Archbishop is great, but there is something about as a whole where it just you know, yeah, like. So many people were like, thank you for saying that. Because you're like, and this, I think we have to be honest with what is going on. We can't hide this anymore. We have to seek the good in a way that's very, um, so like, I love this one part of the gospel where Christ casts cast like out the demons and puts into like a, like a herd of pigs and they all like, and they all go like off the cliff and die. So in college, we kind of killed a pig on Scott Hahn's farm. Whatever, yeah, a 300-pound pig. And I have never heard an animal squeal that loud in my entire life. And it so, sounds like a human person. It's insane. Screaming. We had to hide a priest in a closet because a bunch of us were about to get arrested. On Scott Hahn's. Anywho, so um, uh, we, um, and I think back to those pigs and what that had to sound like. And how violent that had that had to be, and how and how uncomfortable that and like that's God healing a person. That is God, Christ, God Himself, like healing a person in a very violent and disturbing way, almost. And it's no wonder that people ask Him to leave. Yeah, yeah. It's like yikes. Anywho, there's the road. Um, <laughs> now that being said, so I don't now do I think that like we should all be uber dramatic no just ask just like ask my wife it it's not fun after like three times um you need community to rein that in so i think it's good to like say no i'm gonna really like i'm gonna i'm gonna ask the hard things i'm i'm going to um i'm i i am not gonna be afraid to say like this is the healing that like i need in like in my life and to be able to tell your brothers and to be able to and be able to tell your sisters this is the healing you need but we need community to like rein us in you know i i am prone to go on a twitter rant here or there 
Um, and but like it's good. Like I have friends who go, "Hey, man, that was like too far." It's only happened once, but like and like having those people to kind of say, "Okay, like this is this is." too much to really like pull you back to help yeah. us we, it, it like really comes down to we have to dwell in reality and so we can't we can't act like everything's good you all need healing if if god isn't trying to like heal you in your life god isn't working in your life and something's wrong like we all really need um healing and it's quite often through community that it like keeps it healthy mm. and it keeps it in check yep. so this is a long way of saying that be blunt, be honest, seek, don't accept for anything on the less than the true, the good, and the beautiful, but have the community to keep you in yeah. check. Yeah, one of the most dangerous things. Oh, oh, you want to wrap us up. So there are other people that want to ask questions. Oh, sorry, oh. sorry. I really appreciate minutes, the amount of time you're giving to the question, and I think you, I think you, built, you, you beat that horse to death. Okay. <laughs> Whatever, Pat. You brought us here. You know what you were getting into. You sow the wind. You reap the whirlwind. <laughs> I was loving it, guys. Just thank you. Let the poor man Thank speak. you. Um, first of all, thank you for being here, coming out. Uh, you're welcome. So my question is uh, is a little bit abstract, so I'm gonna try to wrestle it in here. And, okay. Um, but uh, perfect abstract. Go for it. Thanks, <laughs> thanks, Pat. Um, That's the worst. You mentioned depth, right? And yeah. how there's just a lack of depth in understanding concepts, understanding the faith, right? Understanding the church. Um, we live in a world with a lot of information. Right. And for a lot of us to do our jobs, it's contingent on staying on top of information. Right. Yeah. A lot of information. So so the mode at which we operate is is surface level and wide. Um, and we're trying to go deep in areas that matter. Goodness, beauty and truth. Yeah. So what are the questions that you ask to get people to think deep about goodness? Oh, I believe you just asked the question that's making me think deep. Yeah. About your beautiful eyes. Yeah, so... Um, it's now off. Yeah, so one of the first things that I ever built for my church for adult evangelization was uh, home-based small groups. The first question was, name an event in your, in your childhood or young years that profoundly shaped your life. So it could be something bad, something good, whatever. And that opened up a moment of vulnerability in people's lives that um, eventually led to several people having a massive conversion. Um, this one guy said, I read the Bible recreationally now because of that one question. And I think part of our experience of, um, number one, I, I think the reason why our show has hit the kind of note that it's hit is because we want discussion over instruction. There are wonderful podcasts out there that will give you answers. We want to we wanna plow through the right questions, right? So the idea is uh, Jesus asked uh, like 300 questions or something crazy like that in the New Testament. We need to ask questions more. We need to be more patient. But the idea is start with what is happening within the lives of the individual, right? Too often, we want to take that step into the theological realm without self-knowledge. Um, St. Teresa of Avila talks about how self-knowledge is one of the mansions in our interior castle of our soul and so few people visit it. I think that's a huge component, not just this like vague self-knowledge, but like deep, like why do I do this or whatever? Um, I think often if you lead with questions, number one, people always love to talk about themselves. 
Lord knows I do. Um, but I think that's a good avenue to start if you're going to start from something. Lukey Duke? Uh, the power of, the power of witness. So just within your own life asking, like, where is, where is the good here? Luke had this thing that he would do with his uh, the people that he was training, young adult ministers and whatnot, where he would do a parish, um, or he would do this gathering, and you would pray with them. You would say, where is God moving in your life? And I, I love the simple direction of that question because a lot of Catholics don't think day to day, where is God moving in your life? Because we're all a bunch of Pelagian heretics. We think God is blessing, but I'm the one that has to go and do. And I think there, there is a deep and profound Pelagian heresy written into American Catholicism where it's like, you know, what's that phrase from Benjamin Franklin? Um, God helps those who help themselves. I think that is a huge component of our Calvinistic American upbringing and this notion of like, where is God moving in your life? And I've asked that to people that I know and it honestly will stop them in their tracks because they don't even know how to think about that. So I think that's another powerful question from from Luke's past ministry experience now that he's freed from the burden of diocesan work. Thank you. <laughs> my poor voice. My freaking ears. <laughs> I expect this type of language at um, Denny's, but not here. Sorry. Go on. <laughs> okay, so you guys have talked about um, like the church in today's society, and then we talk, you guys briefly touched on the um, same-sex marriage rulings a few yep. years back. Mm -hmm. So with... Are you guys familiar with the, the Kansas diocesan ruling with the um, same-sex couple that was trying to enroll their kid into Catholic vaguely, school? Yeah. Vaguely, and yeah. So vaguely. The, the, the diocesan and the archdiocese ended up like not allowing the child in because of um, the parent. teachings of the church. Right. Yeah, and then just not living the lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. And then we have from the Vatican, we're getting like preachings of inclusion and, and just like living yeah. our best Catholic and Christian lives to um, affect and show God's way to these people. And then yet we have um, like adultery and divorced yeah. couples in these same schools. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. Like yeah. how do we, how do we differentiate yeah. like in today's society, where should we go between like keeping our faith strong and also being inclusive and, and all encompassing and loving? That's a great question, man. That's a great question. I, I think it comes out. So, um, with my background in Catholic education, this is a thing that I've wrestled with a lot. And because there are plenty of times when I get to see myself like, you know, it's like it would be so easy if we just had a staff who was entirely Catholic. And then I would look at how I like, you know, spend my weekend and be like, was that entirely Catholic? Yeah. You know what I mean? Probably it's, not. So, yeah. You watched Game of Thrones, you drank a lot, and you ate a gallon of ice cream. <laughs> that was one time. Yeah. And you tell everyone about it, it comes back to bite you in the butt. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know what the answer is as it relates to, like, some type of a policy. And I don't know if a policy is the answer to this because it's so – this is one of the things I like about the Pope is that, it, like, he takes such a personal individualistic approach where it's like – Try to find what's the good for this um, person here and because there are like nuances. And I think what I'm trying to do right now and how I try to like really judge these things is, is this person striving? Do they care about this stuff? So if you have a, you know, homosexual couple who has their kid at school, if they're blatantly against the church and her teachings and like, Christ, 
like, is this the best place for you to have your kid? Like, why are they here? You know, but <laughs> if there's this thing where they're like, there's, I don't, I don't know how you answer this. I, 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 I don't. But if there's a thing where it's like, yeah, but they're kind of interested and they see a lot of good stuff here. I see why you might like want them there. Mm. You know, I, uh, oh. I, oh, so yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I was, I was, yeah, was going to say I was listening to a, a radio um, show on this and and they talked about like what the motive was and and that was unknown. Mm. The church ended up doing a full investigation. And so they didn't release their statements. But yeah, the yeah. motive would be huge. Like, was this for the sure. education and the right bringing? Like, realizing their life yeah. style wasn't mm-hmm. the same or not. But well, I would say this in a very real way. Uh, I love evangelization. I love talking to people. I talk to people all the time who hate the church. I will go anywhere to talk about Christ, and I want. I mean, think about this. To me, this is such a dumbass way to view these things. It's like. Oh, oh, Stevie has two dads, and they're, like, super into pride, and they wear rainbow shirts everywhere they go. Yeah, I want them in my school, because then I can talk to them, and I can love them, and I can do everything that I can do. Well, but that's going to make the other kids ask questions. Let them ask questions. Why are we afraid to have these conversations? Are we so ashamed of the gospel and its power to heal and bring together and unite? No, we're not. We don't believe in the gospel. We only believe out of our fears of keeping people who aren't exactly like us separate from us so we don't have to ask questions about our own selves, our own adultery, our own porn addiction. It's like 75% of Protestant pastors uh, admit to looking at pornography within the last... Um, it's like last two months or whatever. They qualified at all these different things. Like it's a shocking amount unless you realize that they're men in America, right? So we have profound sexual perversion that is happening at all levels of society. And to point at one and say, you're not even allowed to go to school here. Now I understand the areas around this and I don't know anything about the motive, but if I were the principal or the parish pastor, whoever makes that final decision if it was a parochial school, I'd be like, bring them, bring them. Do they have any buddies? Bring them, bring them because I want, like, guess what? You get them for a year, maybe two years, maybe 10 years. You get to talk about the gospel with them. You get to break bread with them. You get to love people. Like, I think we're, I, I, and, I, and I'm challenged by this stuff all the time. I don't have all the answers, but I have a podcast, so I pretend like I do. I, I agree with what you're saying. The only pushback I would give is that, like, it, there does come a point with that stuff where there's a little bit of, um, what do you do when it did? Because, like, mm-hmm. so, like, yes, you can love them. You can, like, evangelize and, like, you know, like, have these great um, conversations. Mm-hmm. But, like, what do you do if that stuff gets to a point where you can't? Where well, I have a friend know, like, who's where, a teacher. Where, like, in a... You have a Catholic school that becomes post-Christian in and, in and of itself. Because yeah, that's, well, like, where, that's where a lot of them, <laughs> that's where so many of them are, though. And that's where yeah, I think some of the tension is. Yeah. Well, I, I, if they, yeah. I, and I'm not I, saying that. I'm just saying this is. Well, like, let me give you a scenario that actually works. A really good friend of mine who's a Catholic, who's a public school teacher, is one of the greatest public school teachers in the entire like state of Texas. She won the national teacher award, whatever of the year. She's phenomenal. Her students are Muslim, Christian, atheist, all this stuff. You know what they do for her birthday? They bring her rosaries. Do you know why? Because she, she lives her Catholic faith. She teaches them pro-life lessons in the school because she has so much street cred in that environment. She can get away with doing all this stuff. So she has uh, same-sex parents that come, and they're like, listen, we're, we know you're really Catholic. Is it okay if our kid comes to your class? And she's like, 
Jesus loves all of his children and Jesus also loves you. Don't you ever think you don't have a, a place in my class, right? We're not the arbiters of heaven. We're the, we're the ambassadors of grace. When did we think that we had the magical backstage passes that we get to lock off the access to everyone else? The 70s. That was from a, the 70s, baby boomers is the reason why we think that. But I don't Not know. Not you and, 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 Not, and Uncle Wade. No, they're so you guys are good. They're you guys are good. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, why do we not want people near us? What is in us that thinks it's better for them to be away? That must be a fear within us of being able to bring them to the gospel. I don't know. I get pissy about this stuff. A little bit, dude. Just a little bit. No, I'm just, just a little bit. My poor freaking voice. Thank that you. was a good question. Thank you. I think we Thank should you. probably wrap up soon after a couple people ask questions. Do you want us to talk about where the name comes, comes from? I don't know. Does AJ, do you have another question? Jose. Jose. This is on behalf of someone else. Oh, sure, Jose. I'm asking for a friend. Yeah. And then so after what if that, we'll close up with you guys sharing where you got the name from. Okay. Catching Deal. Foxes. Yeah, we need to stop talking. Is anyone else cold? I had a jacket, and I didn't bring my jacket because I'm like, it's San I'm very fine. I know. Anyway. I forgot mine, and I'm really cold, too. Yeah. So I feel you. You're a tiny body. I am a little. I'm um, a big body. Jose, you haven't changed at all since school. You're the you, same size. Tell me your magic secret. <laughs> I'm Asian. <laughs> Asia. I'm so Ohio. My family's been there since the 1600s. Oh. So anyway. I have a question on behalf of someone. I won't say their name, Anita Flores. I mean, Graho. Okay. Um, so you have someone in your parish, okay, and they are clearly living, say, a homosexual lifestyle. We're, we're really stuck on that. Okay, go on. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I don't know. So, and they want to receive the sacrament. So, yeah. you know what I mean? So, in the parish priest is saying it's okay, right? So, that just a difficult situation. You know, yeah. how do you deny someone who wants to come and receive our Lord? But it, I don't know. It's just a weird situation that I feel like a lot of maybe parishes are going through as well. I don't oh, know what yeah. your thoughts are. Well, this is, a this is the difficult part of navigating this post-Christian world where it's not just, you know gay lifestyle. It's not just this, that, and the other. There's so many things that now seem to be up for grabs that previously never were. Um, I tell people all the time, so you heard what I said last time, I'm Captain Inclusion. I have prevented people from receiving the Eucharist all the time because I run the RCIA, and I get people who literally scream at me, I believe that that's the body of Christ. Why can't I? I was like, because you're not Catholic. You got to become Catholic first, right? You got to be free of mortal sin. You got to live, be in the state of grace. I tell that to people all the time. Listen, if anyone here is struggling or has same-sex desires, I want you to know that Jesus Christ did not forsake you, abandon you, deny you, hate you, marginalize you, right? But we are all struggling with organizing our desires in a way that's virtuous. And if there are any Roman Catholics who don't, you have to... You, the, since the 70s, this is the answer to the thing, what happened in the 70s. In the 70s, the word pastoral the, is still used, but it was changed to mean loophole, right? Don't you feel like that? Like, oh, he's taking a pastoral approach to the Eucharist. That's why there's so many raisins in it, right? And you're like, that's not pastoral, right? But don't you feel like that when people say, oh, he's being very pastoral? What does that mean? Well, he's letting a 12-year-old have infant baptism. It's like, he's not an infant, right? Let's see, baby Huey. But uh, baby Huey. <coughs> the idea is, the idea is, if we don't even know the, the things that we believe and why we believe them, we're going to compromise all over the place, hence 70s and 80s seminaries. But 
if we don't know, if we don't truly know what we believe and why we believe it, then we don't know how to love people and what Pope Francis talks about all the time, accommodate them towards the gospel. We don't change the law, but we work with the people to it, right? And so, um, you know, if, if there's, I mean, I've worked from my own youth ministry background, I've worked with teens who have same-sex attraction. They'll come out and tell me, right? And so we talk about it. You know, I'll sit there with them when they tell their parents. We work through that stuff. But when it comes to the sacraments, the standard for them is the standard for everyone, right? It's being free of the state of mortal sin, right? Desiring to have a faith life rooted in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you have, if you don't believe in Jesus, you shouldn't be receiving the Eucharist, even if you're a card-carrying heteronormative Catholic with a podcast, Luke. <laughs> okay, so uh, that was good. Uh, where'd the podcast name come come from? So we were trying to uh, find, is that good, Jose? Yes, no? Yes, thank you. Guys. We were to say no. Like, no, guys, you're wrong. I'm like, oh, Jose doesn't like us. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> you're tacky and I hate you. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Uh, so tacky. Okay, so um, we were trying to come up with a like name that because like we had a pretty uh, good idea with like what we wanted to do tough like I'm a vulnerable yeah. conversations and we were tough trying and to vulnerable find a which was the name of my autobiography yeah go on <laughs> and we were trying to figure out like so we both have this band that we adore called Me Without You who are super weird but they're phenomenal I think they're like fine Christian art they're yeah. so so good and so they um, have this album called Catch for Catch for us, catch for us the foxes, which is all about I think the split between um, uh, grace and nature. Trying to where is God in in all of this, and help me, I need you, Lord. And they have this great song called "The Soviet," and he has this like awesome line where he goes, "And then I bent my head down as as if to pray. I was I was actually staring down her." Dress, dear God, catch for um, catch for us the foxes, and it was the like admission of his like this is a horrible like this is like this is my sin, and this is what I'm and like uh, this is what I'm striving for, and that's what we wanted the like podcast to be about that yeah. trying to strive after like so trying to seek the face of Christ as like Pope like Benedict talks about while being honest about where we are and like what are the crosses. Have you ever listened to Catholic podcasts where they try to have a conversation and it's two people like, oh my gosh, bless you. Oh my gosh, the Lord's peace. Yeah, it's called the, the crunch. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like where it's like uh, saccharine, it's so overly religious. Like if someone like that were to have a conversation with me, I, I don't even know how to have that conversation. And so uh, they found me. Um, so my big thing is when we have, um, we'll just wait. No, it's cool, PD. I'll wait for you. Uh, <laughs> Be sweet if there's a spotlight. I know. Uh, but the idea was to have honest conversations, which is why we have an explicit tag, um, to have honest conversation about this stuff. When you heard Luke say, I don't even know if I believe this as he's saying it, because that's like the show is we don't know all the answers, but so many people act like they do. Like, hey, what is your what is your thoughts on public school reform? And you're like, I don't have an answer, but I feel compelled to tell you something, right? So we don't. <laughs> so people are like, hey, what about this Catholic news thing that just came out? We're like, ah, we have no idea. We're gonna ignore your email. So that's what we do. Yeah. Yeah, it's catching foxes. Thanks hey. a lot, you guys. Uh oh. No, that's it. 
Catching Foxes. I was just saying thank you. Catching Foxes. I didn't, I didn't want to interrupt you guys anymore, but go, but go ahead. Did you have more to say? No, no Catching no, no, Foxes. No. FM right, is where you can find us. Going on and You're on good. And on. You're good. Patreon. Who want to talk about that? No, no, no. You're giving us that sweet, sweet money for bringing us out of here. <laughs> I actually, a minute ago, I was like, I actually emailed, Gomer and I were emailing the other day, and he had said uh, in the email at the very end, he wanted to make sure the talk was on goodness because he didn't know if it was on goodness or not. He was I was just double checking. Yeah, the, yeah. he was I'm very so sensitive glad. to that. He said, I'm very sensitive to these things as a speaker. And then he was like, uh, so demanding. So show me the money. And I was like, oh, <laughs> shoot. Like, where is that stipend? I have it somewhere. So I do have the stipends here somewhere. If there's a yellow folder on your table, please give it back to me. <laughs> I'm only buying a house this week. Whatever. It's fine. Yeah, are you finally getting the house? Yeah. we. You've been talking about it for like a year on the podcast. Under contract. I can't. Hey. I can't. I, 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 I'm going to buy a house. Hey, the here. best part about you saying that is tomorrow morning at 5 o'clock Eastern time, the podcast episode is called Luke's. Shit. I forgot. <laughs> Luke's, Luke's Sacred House Tour. And it's an episode entirely about Luke's house and me scrolling through realtor.com and looking at pictures of his house. It sounds funny, or it is funnier than it sounds. So, yes, the whole thing's about his house. Yeah. But look. Um, Wing and a miss. No, yeah. so I, I just want to sincerely thank you guys for coming out. Um, I know it was hard to come out here, to be paid to come out here and fly out here. With oh, It was a struggle, obviously. Um, palm I, trees and so sunshine. literally oh, had to write you guys that. I had to send so them. Hipster. I literally had to send them a typewritten letter with the typewriter to get <laughs> yeah. them to respond to me. Because we didn't answer our emails. Because they so wouldn't answer the emails. They wouldn't answer the text messages or phone calls. So I just typed them in. I hope you enjoyed that talk from San Diego Theology on Tap. My name is Pamela Poe, and I'm the Associate Director for the Office of Young Adult Ministry here in San Diego. We would love to see you at our future diocesan young adult events. If you are new to the area, looking to get connected and grow deeper in your faith, we would love to connect you to a young adult group here in San Diego. You can reach out to us via our website, yamsd.org, Instagram at Yam San Diego or Facebook. Thanks again for listening. God bless you, and I hope to see you soon.